Welcome back. We are glad you have chosen to join us as Pastor Sage continues his message from Hosea chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Here's Pastor Sage. So the wilderness, when, G, when, when God says he will lead them, Israel, in, back into the wilderness, he is saying that he is going to sanctify Israel. He's going to make them look more like him, which means he's going to make them more like him and they will not sin as much. They will not pour into these idols like they were. Number three, he will speak tenderly to her. That's what it says. Instead of leaving Israel in the wilderness to struggle by herself, fighting, whining, complaining, grumbling, God says he will speak tenderly to Israel. God was present with her. Not only this, but he is speaking tenderly to her. This means he's comforting her. He's giving her assurance of his sovereignty over everything. It's the same way that a mother or father would speak tenderly to a child going through a difficult time. That's how God is speaking to Israel. He's assuring them. He's comforting them. So it starts with all this punishment, and it's hard, and then it moves over, and God allures them towards him into the wilderness to sanctify them. And in sanctifying them, while sanctifying them, he is speaking to them, and he is assuring them and comforting them. Number four, he will return his blessings. Remember how he took those blessings away. We just talked about that. He does not do this eternally. He does not do this forever. This is seen in the life of Job as he has twice as much of everything that he lost at the beginning of the book. By the end of it, he has twice as much. That's what I was trying to say. God will return all of the vineyards, the grain, the new wine, the fresh oil. He will bless Israel once again. So this is not a just a pumbling into the ground and now I'm gonna leave Israel there. He is ever present in the midst of all of it and he is blessing Israel once again. God is faithful to be there for her. And then this last point, this next point, he will give her hope. Now this one doesn't, you may think, that doesn't make much sense because the verse, verse 15 says, there I will give her vineyards back to her and I will make the valley of Acre into a gateway of hope. What is the valley of Acre? How is it a gateway of hope? I may answer that and you'll have more questions. We see this in Joshua 7. I'm gonna give a quick summary of what happens in Joshua 7. So Israel's about to enter the promised land. They're getting there. Joshua's leading the people. And he tells the people this. He says, keep yourselves from the things set apart or you will be set from destruction. He tells them this right before Jericho. Remember Jericho, they march around the wall seven times. They blow the horn, walls fall down. They go and they conquer Jericho. It's a good thing. They worship, it's awesome. And then Joshua says this though. He says, do not take anything set apart. And in this case, the plunder, the gold, the silver, the nice things, that was all set apart to be dedicated to God. And there was a man named Achan. Achan decided he still wanted some of that stuff. And so Achan went and he took some. He took some silver and, and, a, and a nice cloak and he hid it under his bed. And then Achan is found out. And after he's found out, he ends up, they take him to the Valley of Acre, him, his family, his livestock, and Israel stones all of them. They stone them, bury them in this pile of stones. Now, why is it that God is saying, I will make the valley of Acre into a gateway of hope? How is that a gateway of hope? Achan being stoned for his sin was a part of Israel being sanctified. It was a part of Israel being made more holy. God sanctifying Israel means that there is hope for her. This shows that he cares for her and desires for her to be holy. He's not done with her. 
I, it, all we can see is just what happens to, to Achan there. But we have to look at the grand scheme of things here, what, what God was doing at his level. He was sanctifying Israel, and this is hope. This means that he is not done, because he could have been like, that's it, another one disobeyed, I'm done. God didn't do that. He's faithful, he's there, he's not done with them. Now the hope is not the sanctification itself, but instead sanctification is the gateway to hope. The hope is what sanctification leads to. Sanctification leads to one day for Israel, this was Israel's Messiah, he would come to earth, God coming in form of a child, and he'd live a perfect life, and he'd love people, and he'd forgive them for their sins, and then, then they would, the people would gang up on him, they would kill God, and then God would be resurrected. And then, one day, he will give Israel resurrected bodies, and they will sin no more. This is what sanctification leads to. This is glorification, if you're looking at the big words. So salvation, sanctification, glorification. Three-part process. We're not at glorification yet. God has intentions at this point. He's showing them his intentions to glorify, to raise up, to resurrect Israel, that he is not done with them. That is their hope, and that is ours as well. And I'll dig more into that in a second. But first, let's finish what the text says here. How does Israel respond to this? How is Israel going to respond? Second half of verse 15 says this. There she will respond as she did in the days of her youth, as in the day she came out of the land of Egypt. Well, how did Israel respond when she came out of Egypt? If you turn to Exodus 15, you'll see it's titled Israel's Song. Not just one person's, but Israel's. They came through the, part, the, the parted Red Sea. After years of intense bondage, Israel's salvation has finally come. In the most miraculous way, it came by the parting of the Red Sea. After crossing through and seeing their enemies perish, they found freedom from slavery at last. They made it. This is it right here. And the only thing that they could do in response in this moment at their point of salvation, it was to worship. And they worshiped. And they didn't just worship individually. They worshiped as a nation. They worshiped corporately. This beautiful picture of God's people worshiping him collectively. They worshiped God because only God could have done this. Only God could have led them away from Egypt. Only God could have parted the Red Sea and only God could have saved them. So now, even after years and years of sin and rebellion against God at this point in Hosea, after God judges them for, them, for their sin, after sanctifying him, he, he's telling us they're gonna worship again just like that day he saved them. We're coming back to that day. So now what does this have to do with us? Why should we care about Israel? This text is riddled with application for us. We too, if you didn't notice, we too worship idols today. An idol is not just a figurine that you bound down to as it was to the Israelites. But an idol is a person or a thing that you prize more than you prize God. It's a person or a thing that you prize more than you prize God. Idols and false gods are not specific only to ancient kingdoms. Instead, they're still prevalent to this day in everyone's lives, everyone in here. I'm gonna list a bunch of them, and I want you to think about your life and think about what are the idols in your life. I might say one, and you're gonna be like, yep, that's me. It's okay, because a lot of these, I think, yep, that's me. I'm no better. Work. I know 
This is something a lot of folks struggle with, work. We idolize work. We put it over everything else. Money is a big one. Something that people don't consider your spouse can be your idol or your significant other if you're dating. The idea of success, the worldly view of success. I just need to get to this point of success where I make a lot of money and I have a nice car and a big family and I have a steady job. That can be an idol too. It is to most of America, most of the world. Sports. Now, I didn't grow up in the South. So when I moved here back in 2012, I was telling the students this this past Wednesday. I, was, I did not know. They were like, what team do you go for? I was like, what are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> sports is a big deal here. And I'm not saying sports are sin and that you all need to stop watching sports. That's not at all what I'm saying. Don't think that. I am saying, though, that sports can be sin. People, can, people do put sports above God often. Yeah, be careful of that, whether that's you playing them or you watching it. And that leads to watching it, entertainment in general. Because I can say, I don't watch sports. Ah, that, didn't, that didn't bother me. I'm good. I really like movies. And I like TV shows and all sorts of entertainment. That's something I struggle with. I need to watch things less. It's just not, it doesn't need to take God's place. It's just, it's escapism. It's us escaping the world around us. But I've, lots of people today make entertainment their idol. Social media is a big one, especially. I mean, I'm not even gonna say especially amongst the youth. Adults, senior adults, everyone does this. Social media is everything today. If you're not on social media, I, I told uh, some people at Target recently, I work at Target, by the way, that's my job, other than when I get to teach and stuff. I was telling some of the younger team members at Target that I don't have an Instagram or that I don't have the app on my phone. And they, are, they all laughed at me like, what, what do you use, Facebook? I was like, yeah, I use Facebook. What? <laughs> What's wrong with Facebook? It, it's, it, people expect you to be on this and to post your lives on it so that they can compare is really what it, it ends up being. That can be an idol too. Sleep is an idol to a lot of us. Some of you have slept enough and you're done sleeping. You're sick of sleeping. Some of you just want all the sleep in the world. Lots of teenagers are like that. I can be like that sometimes. There's adults like that still. This is a surprising one too. Children. Your children can be an idol to you. I've seen it before where people put their children above everything else in the world, including church and God. That's a problem too. And then a big one that all of us can say this is true is ourselves. We all make ourselves an idol. We gotta be careful with that. All of these and more are modern day idols that we are worshiping daily. God, is wor God deals with our idols in the same way that he dealt with Israel's. Same points. He will bring us away from our idols. He does this by blocking us off from them. He takes away his blessings. He exposes you for your sin. He will end your fake worship. And I have to say with this one, this is so important. If you are giving more in life to your job or sports, your children, whatever it is, whatever the title is in your life, more than you're giving to God and to church, then God is going to make it clear to you that your worship of him is not genuine. It's not, it's not real. Maybe you're learning that right now. Maybe that's something you're realizing right now. If you're going to church for the sake of checking that box to look like a Christian, this is the same thing. Fake worship is not real. Just like the Israelites were doing. Worship idols, and now I'm gonna worship God over here. I'm a Jew, just like that. No, not a Jew. You're just trying to look like it. Are you really a Christian? Because being a Christian means, that this is what Jesus says, this is what it means to be a disciple. It's to take up your cross daily, to deny yourself and take up your cross daily. This is a constant, every single moment of your life, pursuing Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian, not going to church. 
Going to church is good, and pursuing Christ will lead to going to church, but you cannot just say, check, went to church this week. That's not all it is. And God will also, when dealing with you and your idols, he will punish you. Your sin is not without consequences. A lot of you can look back in your life and see when your sins have led to immense consequences. We get punished for our sin. God will do what he must in order to rip you away from these things. But then it doesn't end there, just like with Israel. Then he will bring us closer to him. He will persuade us out of our sin. He will sanctify us to look more like him. He will assure us that he is in control. I think this is really important. In difficult times, never forget about the assurance that you have in God's word. Romans 8, 28 says this. All things, all things, not just the good things, all things work together for the good of those who love him, who believe in him. That means when someone passes in your family, that's for your good. When something crazy is happening in an, on an international scale, when there's wars all around you, this is a good thing. See, as a Christians, we have to change our perspective. We need to stop looking at life like God is just out to get us or that the world is gonna beat God and then they're gonna take us down and then we're gonna be in the, in the ground. That's, that's not how this works. God is in control of everything and he's going to work all things out for your good. No matter how horrendous or horrible it seems, it's gonna be for our good. It will be, and I've seen it. I'm gonna tell you all about my testimony later, but throughout all these things I see, God has been there, and it's grown me to make me look more like Jesus. I'm thankful for that. God will bless us. He will bless us with many blessings, and I'm not preaching prosperity. I'm not preaching the prosperity gospel that many preach today, that the more you love God, the more money you'll receive. If you're poor, it's because you haven't prayed enough. I'm not saying that. That is false. People who preach that, they're false teachers. Instead, I'm saying that our God blesses his people. He, he blesses us, but not in the ways that the prosperity preacher believes that he does. Instead, he blesses us in different ways. For example, he's blessed me with my family, with my wife, with my brothers and sisters. I have a, lot of, I have a big family, by the way. Five sisters, two brothers. There's, there's eight of us total. So, um, I'm, I'm blessed with them. I'm blessed with a mother who loves me. I'm blessed with a father who just moved across country to be closer to us. I'm blessed. I'm blessed with my church family. Some of them came to support me. Thankful, so thankful for that. Our blessings don't have to be riches. There are homeless people who are blessed and they love God and they're joyous in God daily and they have nothing. And we don't have the, the newest iPhone and we're like, man, life is hard. Come on, it's ridiculous. We are a blessed people. And then God will give us hope. What is this hope? that one day we will worship God, we will worship Jesus Christ our Lord in resurrected bodies, without sin solely focused on him. One day we will no longer struggle or fight, but we will live eternally with Jesus Christ. This is our hope. This is our hope. Our hope is Jesus Christ. He came and he saved us, and now you don't have to worry anymore because Romans 8.1 says, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation you will sin, you will still worship idols, you'll fail at this, but you will not be condemned. Praise God. And one day, he's gonna take us up. He's gonna right every wrong, take away every tear, and we'll worship him eternally. That's our hope, eternal life. And so how should we respond? 
Same way Israel did. Remember when you were first saved. Think back to that day. No matter how long ago it was. It could have been last week or years ago. Remember the amazing joy that you felt for God. What happened? Where did it go? Because I think a lot of us have taken on the, after Des and I got married, obviously we're in love, we're happy to be together. And people look at us and married couples that have been married for years and they're like, you just wait. <laughs> That's what people, and I know some of y'all think that, you just wait. And it's, it's frustrating because there's a semblance of truth to that. There's a semblance of truth because over time, when you go on in life and you get busy in life and your spouse doesn't seem as important to you in the later years, it doesn't seem like that. This is similar to how we are with God. We're saved and we worship him and we're thankful and we're inviting everyone to church, telling people about Jesus and then a year later it's a little less and a year later it's a little less. Well, just like I would say if you're in your marriage and you're at that point where it's like things aren't the same, you need to pursue your spouse. Pursue her. Pursue him. Love one another. Seek to love one another like Christ loves us. And with you guys, with our response to God's dealing with us, we need to pursue God. You need to pursue him with all you've got. Everyone here has a copy of his word. You should be in it every single day of your life until you're gone because this is the only thing that will keep you straight in this world of lies. It's time for us to worship as we did when God first saved us. God is still God and he is the same God who saved us. He is worthy of our daily and our ceaseless praise. So for believers, this is the end of it right here. For believers, this is a message of hope and joy. That despite our idolatry, our sin, our rebellion, our transgressions, God will forgive us. God will not condemn you. God will sanctify you. And eventually he'll glorify you to be with him. But for non-believers, this is a message of destruction. If you're not a follower of Christ in here, this stuff just doesn't apply. It doesn't. Because you don't have that living hope in Jesus Christ. And you're still in your sin. But I'm here to tell you that we're still here, meaning you still have time. It's time. See Christ for who he is and give your life to him. There's not a certain prayer to say or anything like that. You just need to see Jesus for who he is, your Lord and your Savior. Confess him as such, your Lord and your Savior. Just as God delivered Israel out of its bondage to Egypt, so can he deliver you from your bondage to sin. All you must do is look to Jesus Christ and confess him as your Lord and Savior. See that he is the only way to life. Live in him and live for him. Be saved and worship with us. Free from sin and death. So if you're here tonight for an invitation, if you're here tonight and you're at that point where it's like, I just haven't worshiped God like I used to, and you want to get back to that, and you need to come to the altar and give it to the Lord. If you just need to pray, if you need to sit in your seat and pray, that's fine. Now's the time to do it. Because we live for him. We live for Jesus. Give it to Jesus. Let's pray to the Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for your word. God, I wanna lift up everyone in here who wants to worship you like they used to, who wants to get back to that place with you, Lord. I pray that you'd open their eyes to that, that you'd convict them of their sin, lead them to repentance. 
revive that passion and that zeal for you, Lord, in their hearts. For those in this room that don't know you, Lord, I pray that you would be speaking to them right now. I pray that you would bother them. I pray that if they leave tonight and they don't make any confession, that tonight you would bother them to where they can't sleep. All they can think about is you, is Jesus. And I pray that you would save them, break them out of this bondage of sin, and save their soul, Lord. We love you. We confess you as our Lord and our Savior. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. This year at Britt Dayton, we would like to challenge you to share the love of Christ with those you come into contact with each day. Remember, he who wins souls is wise. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BrittDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.